Good evening, brothers and sisters. Today I would like to talk about the topic of forgiveness. And through worldly things, we can see that there is a lot of unforgiveness in this world. And unforgiveness does not start from our actions, but from our heart. So can we please open up to Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Then Peter came, to, came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times. Seven. For this reason the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with the slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought up to him. But since he did not have the means to repay his Lord, commanded him to be sold along with his wives and children and all that he had in repayment to be made. So that the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of the slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him with its depth. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should repay back what he was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have also have mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I have mercy on you? And his Lord, mo motivated with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. So, I want you guys to think of a person who has hurt you so bad that it is nearly impossible to forgive him. And if we, if we compare and relate this parable to our lives, God is the king who forgave the big, who forgave the slave for the big debt. And we are that servant who God forgave the big debt. And that person who we cannot forgive is that servant that is that servant got who got thrown in jail for that small debt. It doesn't matter how much the person tries to change that you can't forgive. It doesn't matter how much they try to change so that you can forgive him, but you still can't forgive him. But only through Jesus Christ and through his love we can forgive. Can we all please open up to Mark chapter 12, verse 25? Mark chapter 12, verse 25. Whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions. So if we look, for example, if we look at the story of Joseph, Joseph got, Joseph got sold into Egypt and was a slave to Potiphar. But when his brothers came to him after the seven, during the seven-year famine, he forgave them because God forgave him. The reason many of us refuse to forgive is that our fear of loss. 
There's no denying that forgiveness requires us to give up that attitude, that pride, and step down and forgive our neighbor for what he or she has done. Can we please open up to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgive each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Treat others like you would want to be treated. If you would want to be forgiven, forgive others just like God has forgiven you. People are angry, and without forgiveness and resolving that anger and moving on forward, they choose to not, just still not forgive. Anger causes bitterness to our soul so that we can struggle and we turn away and seek other ways to resemble that bitterness, that anger that we have in our hearts. But all we have to do is just let go of that anger, let go of that pride, and forgive. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. He deserves to be praised. Did you guys like the discussions? Yeah. Questions or the discussion? No, I did not. That's, that's not me for sure. Uh, we have some brothers that worked on that. But uh, did you guys receive already a revelation about... Um, About this topic, can you share something, Linda? Since you received the revelation, <laughs> why don't you share it with us? Okay, anyone? Anyone wants to share something that they just thought was wonderful? Feel free to share. Speak up. Okay. Wide is the gate that leads to destruction, and narrow is the path that leads to life, right? Amen. That's, that's a whole topic. That's a sermon ready right there. <laughs> that's a whole topic um, in its own. Praise the Lord. I don't know if we're going to be able to see the presentation here shortly, but the topic is, um, who is Jesus? And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. That's the that's what we talked about last time, and Andre um, just went at it, um, and and he was talking about the reality. The, 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 the reality is that the world lays in darkness. Because remember that the reality is that the world lays in darkness, and and everyone coming into this world comes practically spiritually blind and uh, the answer is what is the answer you know what the answer is right you, you learned that in Sunday school the answer is Jesus Christ the answer is always lies in the light who is the true light and Jesus said I am the light of the world and Andre talked about responding to the light you guys remember that. One Sunday before that, we, or not one Sunday, several Tuesdays before that, Alex Labadianik was here and he opened the series with the topic, I am the bread of life, right? And he was talking about identity of Christ, um, who is Christ, why, um, 
why Jesus Christ um, said that and, and how um, that interprets into our everyday life. Um, identity of Jesus Christ. And if you go back, I don't know if you know, if you saved the event, you can go back and you can look at sermon notes that each, each uh, person uh, took the notes and you can... Um, and you can refresh your mind. Today we will be talking about um, the sheep and the shepherd, uh, something that is not very uh, vividly, you know, comes to our imagination when we first hear about that, right? Maybe some people. Let me ask you if you've ever been around the sheep. Can you raise your hand? Okay, there's some people. There's some people. Uh, is that counting here on the Bethlehem experience? <laughs> That's right. I pet those goats too. Um, but in reality, we don't really get that. Um, we don't really interact with sheep or with shepherds. This is something of 2,000 years. You know, people that done, people do it today as well. But people have done that and they've... Uh, done that on a daily basis. They've seen that on a daily basis. So I'll try to just show some pictures um, just to get us going, and then we'll jump into the scripture. Today we're studying John chapter 10, and Jesus is claiming that I am the door of the sheep. And the first thing that um, comes to mind when I uh, think of a shepherd, and uh, it's either the computer, okay, so the shepherd uh, sometimes looks like this. You know, this older gentleman with the sheep. Uh, we're used to this picture. But not all the shepherd look, uh, shepherds look like that. Sometimes the shepherds look like this. You know, and this is a very real shepherd. Uh, me and my brother, uh, back in the day, were shepherding, quote-unquote, um, a cow. We had a cow, and we were responsible to make sure that that's, that animal is fed and is, you know, well taken care of. So we took it to the field. Um, the field was by this huge uh, reservoir of water, um, and we enjoyed that place very much. So we, would, we got carried away with um, entertaining ourselves with things, and we lost the cow. No, no, I'm serious. We lost it. It's a huge cow. It was three times or maybe ten times bigger than we were. It's a huge animal, very much recognizable. Around, there's open fields, and we lost it. We just lost it. So we were walking for, you know, kilometers, miles, trying to find it, searching for it. We couldn't find We We were just miserable. It's, it's, it's our whole life, you know, we're dependent on that animal. We were, you know, eating meat, uh, drinking milk, eating cheese, and, 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 and the whole family was fed. That was an experiment, by the way, by my parents who lived in the city. And we have to take it outside the city to feed it and so on and so forth. So uh, for a year we did that um, with, uh, with my family. Thank you to our entrepreneurial uh, entrepreneurship of my dad. He was very much, you know, into trying uh, things 
And, and that was a blessing for that particular year for us. Um, the reality is that there are different shepherds. You know, there are different shepherds. Some of them are very well, take good care of the sheep, and others are not so good, just like me back in the days. So uh, the shepherds can be younger, can be older. Uh, it really just depends on the situation, on the setting. Uh, but uh, the shepherd's main goal is to feed the sheep. That's his main goal. And Jesus here, in chapter 10, he begins, um, by the way, this is how the sheep look like. For anybody that doesn't know, those are good sheep. This one is a little um, rebellious, you can say. Um, we do that too. And um, Jesus goes on and he says that, he tells this parable. He tells this parable about the shepherd and the sheep. And, uh, but this whole situation happens right after chapter 9. Do you guys know what happened in chapter 9? So chapter 10 starts, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he's a thief and a robber. So Jesus is making this strong statement, or John records as Jesus making this strong statement, truly, truly, I say to you. You can read his passion. He says, I am telling you. And he goes on with the parable. But if we read a few verses up, Jesus having a conversation with the Pharisees, with the law, um, keepers with the religious leaders of that time. And this is exactly the chapter that Andre was speaking on yesterday, or I'm sorry, um, a few weeks before, when Jesus healed the blind man. And when Jesus healed the blind man, you know what happened? The leaders, religious leaders, just were enraged. They were not happy with Jesus. And the official excuse was that he healed the man on the Sabbath. And that's the biggest sin that you can do. Healing a man that was blind from the start, from the birth, for many years. Um, healing the man. And Jesus was really angry with them. Because they really did not care for the people. All they cared about is their own agenda. And with this kind of context, we're coming to chapter 10. And this is where Jesus tells this parable of the sheep and the shepherd. You know, I always had an impression this is like a very, you know, cute picture of the shepherd and the sheep and so on and so forth. But Jesus is really trying to communicate a point here. And he really tries to emphasize the importance of a true or the picture, show the picture of a true shepherd. And he is saying that, um, you know, the difference of the shepherd in styles can be different too. So just going back in history a little bit, continuing on the shepherding, is that, uh, you know, here people were shepherds, shepherd the flock from behind. 
Sometimes they ride the horses uh, behind driving the sheep. Sometimes they walk behind the sheep, also driving them with the help of a dog, possibly. And the sheep are always, you know, being encouraged to uh, move in a direction that the shepherd is guiding them. Uh, the shepherding styles of the eastern, near eastern um, places is a little bit different. The shepherd typically goes ahead of the sheep and he, the sheep walks behind them. I, I was reading some stories on the, on the shepherding and this guy, um, this person is saying, you know, the most impressive uh, image that I've seen is when a shepherd is walking through Jerusalem. He's walking through the streets and his whole flock is following him. And I don't know if you've been to Jerusalem. Um, I, have a pri I had a privilege to be there. It, it is very noisy, just like any, you know, city. It is very noisy in the middle of the streets, very narrow streets, a lot of people. The cars are honking. And you know what? The shepherd goes and whistles and, and, and talks to the sheep, and they all follow him. And none of them is lost. That's the amazing thing. That's the amazing thing. I think that's just a beautiful picture. Just a beautiful picture what the true shepherd looks like. The true leader, right? That uh, the sheep follows them. You know, there's typically in, 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 in that area, there's Bedouins. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, but the people who shepherd the flocks. And the people that shepherd the flock, they keep them Say to keep them safe at night, they build these enclosures, or um, as they're called, is the fold. Um, it's called the fold. It's called the fold. That's that's how they used to build it. This is actually a picture of one of those, and this is where the sheep would be gathered at night, um, and they would kept there. Would be kept there. The interesting thing is that, that not only one flock would be kept in that kind of fold, there would be multiple flocks from different shepherds. They would all, you know, put them in there and uh, they would stay there at night. It's basically a containment uh, where people uh, would keep their flocks. One thing is that um, the Intruders are not going to easily get in and steal a sheep, right? Because it, uh, the walls are high. Um, another thing is that the sheep are not going to get dispersed at night and get lost. And, uh, you know, for us, this is a totally new idea. For us, we don't see this. We don't, we've never been experienced this. But for the people that were there, this was a real deal. This was everyday thing. They knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. When he was talking about this parable, they knew exactly what he was talking about. An interesting thing that Jesus claims that further down in the passage, he says, um, I am the door of the sheep. And this is the whole idea behind this um, today's sermon, actually, is to show that Jesus is the door for the sheep. If we move on, uh, the interesting thing that 
the shepherd would often do just that. He would act as the door for the sheep. He would actually sleep, sleep in the opening to prevent the sheep from escaping or to prevent somebody from getting in. So practically, when Jesus said, I am the door for the sheep, he is the door for the sheep. He is the one who's guarding the entrance, and he is the one who's allowing somebody in to the fold. That would be uh, one of the ways. It, not always it was the shepherd himself. There would be hired people who, um, you know, would just do that. They would guard the sheep at night. But then in the morning, the shepherd would come in, and they would start calling their sheep. And even with the multiple flocks in the fold, shepherd comes in, he starts talking to his sheep, he starts whistling, and they, sheep start coming out. Imagine there's three or four different folds, but only the sheep of that shepherd would come out. And then the next one comes in, and he leads the his sheep out. And the next one comes in and he leads his sheep out. So this is the picture that Jesus paints to these people that are around him. And he said, um, and he uh, goes on and, and, and explains. And John says that um, when Jesus was done with this parable, uh, this figure of speech of Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were, which he had been saying to them. It's not that they didn't understand the whole idea, the whole picture, they vividly could imagine it. They've seen it. They saw it every day. Uh, but Jesus was trying to communicate a point. He was meaning some kind of spiritual lesson here. And um, this is Jerusalem um, and uh, Damascus gates and the sheep. This is older picture, so uh, this probably looks way different now. And the main idea that I will try to communicate today is that everyone needs a Savior. And Jesus invites uh, you and me to enter real life through him. This is, this, is, this is the bottom line. Everyone needs a Savior. There's none on this planet Earth that was born or will be born who can save himself Everyone needs a Savior. And the first question that we're going to ask is, why Jesus? Why Jesus? Today, so many, there are so many ideas and so many um, leaders that try to have people follow them. If you've been here on Sunday, somebody shared his Instagram profile, and he said, I have so many followers, right? 3,000 followers. Uh, but in reality, he, you know, jokingly, you know, switched it to a different language, and it's not a follower anymore, it's a reader, subscriber, which is a huge difference. So there were, were a lot of people in the history of the world that tried to have followers, to gain followers. And you all have followers as well, right? Somebody have one follower on YouTube, that's me. Um, and other people have, you know, <laughs> hundreds of followers or, or thousands of followers or millions of followers. 
Um, but we're talking about something more, something, uh, why Jesus? Why would somebody follow Jesus? Why Jesus is such an important figure in the history? Or why credibility of Jesus? Why Jesus is the one who everyone should be listening to? And understand that I'm talking to people that were born and raised in Christian families. And, 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 and this is something we, we know. This is something that we know. But if somebody comes up to you, and maybe somebody's here that uh, they have not decided to follow Jesus. Um, this is a good question to ask yourself. But if somebody comes up to you at work uh, or somewhere else and says, why would I follow Jesus? Why Jesus and not um, Muhammad and not, um, not Hinduism? Why Jesus and not um, someone else? Why not Gandhi? Why not uh, some other ideology? What would be your response? What would be your response? Um, and the answer is, I'll give you a quick answer. It is found in uh, John 10, 37. If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do them, Though you do not believe me, believe the works, so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. It is identity of Jesus, who Jesus is. Identity of Jesus gives credibility and gives, and his works, his deeds give credibility to his identity. And he says, look at my works because I do the works of the Father. Look at what I have done and what I'm doing, and believe me, this is a good enough proof to believe that I am from the Father, and I am, the, and the Father are one. And if you study, if you look into the history, and you study all those religious leaders that came and that made an impact, um, you will find interesting things that they were not saints. That if they were not saints. The deeds that they did the way that they got attention or they got followers, a lot of the times were very cruel. A lot of the times were not honest. A lot of the times were, um, they were deeply um, selfish inside. I was recently talking to a guy who, uh, apparently there's an Amazon, um, Amazon documentary that, um, talks about the biography of the person who brought um, yoga into U.S. And they talk about the things that he did. They talk about the things that he did. And, and when you listen to that and you think, who in the world would follow such a leader? But the reality is that a lot of people today practice yoga. Do you know a Christian that practices yoga today? Raise your hand, I know, several. Be honest, be honest. Maybe you considered yoga because it is very good for your mind, it is very good for relaxation and so on and so forth. Um, there's, a good, there's a good foundation behind it, there's a good theory behind it. Um, and a lot of Christians today 
tap into that, tap into that source, and they they try to find uh, their um, peace through that. I I am being serious. I know several people that do practice that. But look into the roots. Look into the uh, into the deep and see and see who is the founder. How can I trust the teaching of this person? The reason, the, the, the thing with Jesus is that he was not only teaching, and that's the biggest difference. That's the biggest difference between Jesus and the teachers of other religions. People follow the teaching of other religions, but they don't follow the works of the founder. In most cases. The difference in Christianity is that Jesus encouraging us to do the works that he did. To follow him closely and do the works that he did. That's why he is confidently saying, if I do not do the works of my father, do not believe me. But if I do do the works of my father, do believe me. Understand that the father is in me and I in the father. So why Jesus? Uh, we need Jesus to find inner satisfaction, peace, and security. Jesus promised that we will find those who follow him, those who enter through him, that they will go in and out and find pasture. If we follow Jesus the promise is that we will find that satisfaction, spiritual satisfaction, and spiritual uh, peace and nourishment. You know, more and more people today um, are not finding that peace, are not finding satisfaction in everything and anything that the world offers. That's why people today are turning back to practices like yoga and, and other religions because they're trying to find inner satisfaction, something that satisfies the soul. It is just um, scary to see the statistics, how many young people are um, not finding satisfaction in the life, in, in, in this life, and they are exiting this life, in a sense. They're just quitting the life because there's no purpose. You know, a human body, a human person, a hum human can endure a lot can endure a lot. You can go on without water for many days, at least three days, sometimes nine days. Um, people go, can go on without food for 40 days. And the body and the mind, it's all in the mind, can survive. People force themselves to run marathons. It's a battle of the mind. It's not as much of the body, but of the mind. People survived just horrible, horrible events in their lives, they were able to survive. You know why? Because they had a purpose, they had a goal. Life, I want to live, I want to live. And that gives a person strength. But guess what? When you take away that purpose of life, there is nothing to strive for. There is nothing to look forward to if a person tried everything, there is not, nothing, nothing else to look forward to. And I think that's one of the reasons why today um, so many people are exiting, um, deciding to stop. I don't have time to go into the 
statistics and experiments, but satisfaction of the flesh, indulgence in different kind of addictions, um, just leads to more abuse and leads to more um, leads to a dead end. Um, Question for us, as for uh, people that go to church, are you satisfied? Do you have that fulfillment? Do you have that joy, fullness of life? Do you have that fullness of life? Because I, I talk to people. I've talked to people that said, you know, I've heard sermons that was promising, that were promising that if you do this, this, and this, you will be blessed, you will have a great wife, you will have a job, you will have this and this, and this is, is not happening in my life. And this is not happening in my life. So let me ask you a question. If you never get married, will you passionately love the Lord? Will you passionately continue to serve Him? This is not a question of, this is not a tr tricky question. This is a question of identity. Who is my and what is my identity? Where is your identity placed? Jesus is promising that we will live a fearless life. We can have a fearless life. Because the shepherd himself lays down his life for the sheep. He said that the thieves, thieves and robbers and strangers, they all came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. To take something away from people, from God's people. He was talking to people of his people. The people of his nation were surrounding him. And he said, all the people that came before me, their goal was just to take away. I came to give you life and life with abundance. More than that, I am willing to lay my life down for you. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Ezekiel 34, 33 says, Then I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will feed them and he will uh, feed them himself and he will be their shepherd, and I will be their God. You know what's, what's very encouraging to me is that this shepherd, Jesus Christ, leads his sheep out of the fold, and he calls them by name. Have he ever called you by name? He calls his sheep by name. It speaks of relationships. It speaks of intimacy. That he knows me so intimately that he knows my name. It's, I'm not a number. I'm not a, just a church. Just with everyone, you know. Let's, let's go worship with everyone. If there's more people, I'm going to go there because there's more people. If there's no people, I'm not going to go there. But if I am following Christ, and if he knows me by name, I can be the only one that shows up to, to the prayer. I can only be the only one, and that's enough. 
And that's enough because this, this is not about other people. This is about me and my relationship with Christ. Isn't that right? That encourages me. He knows me by name. The name was very important uh, back in the day because it represents the nature of a person. You know, Adam called each animal by name that represented their nature. God changes a name of people when they change. That amazes me. That the name is so much for God. And he knows me by name. And the next thing is that um, the promise of Jesus is that we, why or why do we um, would uh, follow Jesus or believe Jesus uh, to find hope and find a future. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You know, um, I stumbled upon this phrase that um, when Jesus says that we may have life and have it abundantly, and I'm quoting, that which goes beyond necessity. John wants all his readers to know that the gift of Jesus is life beyond our wildest dreams. Have you thought of Jesus like that? That the, dream, the life with Jesus is just beyond our wildest dreams. There could be a different problem that our, our wildest dreams are not in the right direction. That's a whole different problem. But if you, if I am a born-again person, uh, my life in Christ, what Christ has for me is beyond my best ability to imagine. And this is what excites me about God and about uh, relationship with God, that he doesn't follow a cookie-cutter approach. He wants to have a genuine personal relationship with everyone. It is we who put some kind of boundaries for God and say, no, God cannot do this in my life. It has to be like this. God, this is how I want it. God says, no, no, I don't want it like this. I created you unique. I don't want you to get married at 18. I want you to serve me until you're 28. I want you to Enjoy me. I want you to have I want to have relationship with you. I want you to be holy and be an example at your school and at your work and spread the light to the people that surround you. But Lord, I want to be happy. Isn't this about my happiness that, that I would be happy and I would be satisfied? I have everything. I have the church, I have a church, I have a car. I have everything. You know, I'm, I'm ready for the next step. The gift of Jesus is life beyond our wildest dreams. He has dreams about us too. He dreams to see us becoming a certain people. A chosen race. A people that he chose. A people that he sanctified. And he wants to do something amazing through his people. 
How do I respond? How do I respond to Jesus and to his um, invitation? The first thing is recognizing him as the only unique possibility. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. There's no other way around. Jesus is the only way. Only through Jesus we are able to enter into the relationship with the Father. There's no bypass. There's no, no law. Nothing can get us into the relationship with the Father. Only through Jesus Christ we are able to enter. You know, today I'm talking to people, and um, I was talking to a guy just recently, and we were talking about different religions and, and the fact that, you know, everybody believes something. And I said, you know, that everyone believes something, but not everything people believe is true. Well, that's true. But, you know, we've got to respect what people believe. I said, sure, it's their choice. But there's only one way to God. And Jesus clearly showed that path. And he said, there's no way around to the Father. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. My brothers and sisters, let's not be scared to show people the way. Let's not be scared to offend somebody because it will come back to us. If we are sure that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, let's spread the message. Let's talk about it. Don't be afraid to tell a person, well, I'm sorry, but you might be wrong because Jesus claims that he is the only way and there's no way around it. There's no other way. Don't get mad at me. Get mad at Jesus that he claimed to be the only way, the unique way to happiness, to life, and life everlasting. Amen? Amen. We need to share that message. If I do believe with all my heart that Jesus is the way and the life and the truth, and if I live the life that exemplifies that, let's share that. The other problem, if I don't live the life that exemplifies and speak of that truth, I'm not going to have a confidence to speak about it, right? Because I'm, I'm sitting in the fence. I'm sitting in a fence, and we need to make that choice, make that decision to follow Christ fully, to enter through that door. The second thing is responding uh, to his voice. Because he calls his sheep by, by their name. They have a choice to respond or not to respond. You and I have a choice. We always have a choice. There's always a free choice. But his sheep, they listen to his voice. I loved how Andre uh, shared last time. And you can go and re-listen to this sermon uh, series on our podcast. And that's what I do. I just go back and I listen. Um, and it, sing, it sinks in. You know, it sinks in. Um, he shared about the talk that, that something is pulling. Um, something is, is, is bothering you on the inside. You have everything everything you need. Something on the inside is bothering you. It's pulling you. 
and you know that nothing can satisfy. And I can attest to that. God was calling me and speaking to me. And when I was hanging out with my, you know, homies, I was not satisfied. I would come home and I would be so empty. So empty. But you know what kept me away from Jesus, from from full commitment? Was the fear to lose those relationships with those people. And the fear that the relationship with God would be so boring. What am I going to do? Am I going to go to church and just, just sit there and listen? Oh, no. How can I give up my Friday evening with my boys? I'm telling the truth. I'm not exaggerating. The fear was keeping me away to responding, from responding to that voice of the Lord. The voice of God, I felt His love. I felt His pull when I was 18, 19. That God is calling me, that God is pulling me. When I was hanging out with Him, I knew this is not my place. I shouldn't be there. But I was still doing it. I was still doing it. And it was the fear that kept me there. You know the good news? Is that Jesus is calling you by name today. And he leads his sheep by name. He knows you by name and he is calling you. And the best thing and the best thing that can happen to you and me is that we respond to Jesus. That we respond to his call and we follow him. He leads the mouth, and the sheep obediently follow him. You know, my time is up, um, but the last thing I want to share is that the promise of Jesus is that he sealed that promise, and he said that those who respond, those who enter to the door, they will be saved. And when we say saved, it's a complete transaction. They will be secure. If they are mine, they will be secure. He said in verse 29, chapter 10, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Isn't that a wonderful promise? You know, it is scary to go into this world without a full assurance that my name is written in the book of the Lamb. Without a full assurance that the shepherd knows me by name. And whatever happens to me, no matter the circumstances, I will be okay. Nothing is going to hurt me. The worst thing that can happen to me, I can die. It's the worst thing. But at the same time, it's going to be the best thing that's going to happen to me because I know my shepherd and he knows me by name. Amen? My friends, this is reality. This is so real. This is so real. Jesus today is calling his by name. And they follow him. And he leads them. And he feeds them, and he takes care of them. 
So the final question is, if I haven't responded to that call, make the decision today. No one knows what tomorrow is going to bring, you know? Um, but the Bible is certainly promising one thing. Things are not going to get better. <laughs> I have a, not a very encouraging news for you. Things are not going to get better on this earth. If you read Revelations, you'll, you'll find out for yourself. But the encouraging thing is that um, he leads them. He leads us. We are in his flock and he leads us. The best thing that can happen to you and me is to be in his fold, is to be in his people, is to be numbered by him, is to be taken care of by him. Not as a, as a crowd. I'm not talking about a crowd. I'm talking about intimate relationship with God. Intimate relationship with Christ. If you don't have those today, don't be pretending. Please, don't be pretending because this is not going to end well. Because nothing good comes out of that. I promise you. You're only going to be exposed and you're going to be ashamed at the end. The right choice would be to make that step towards God, to respond to Him and say, Lord, you know my fears. I'm afraid to give my life to you because of this, this, and this. For me, number one was friends. I was afraid of my, losing my friends. Number two was a sin that kept me away, telling me you're not worthy. God is not going to be dealing with you if you're still going to have this in your life. What is keeping you from responding to Christ and committing to Him fully and giving your life to Him? Ask yourself that question. And make the decision soon. If he is calling you. May God bless you. We're going to pray right now. We're going to stand up. If you need a prayer. I would love to pray with you here. Um, if you would like to commit your life to Jesus. I just have to make that offer. Um, if you never committed your life to Christ. This is a good time to do that. Uh, for the rest of us. Let's pray this prayer. Lord, give me boldness. Give me boldness to speak about you as the only way to the Father. Speak it with urgency and speak it boldly. Amen? Amen.